go for the third straight week. Stanford is playing another Saturday night special. Gotta love those. And after those results in Seattle and in Eugene, third time's gotta be the charm for the Cardinal. Right? Right? We'll find out this Saturday night at 8 p.m. kickoff inside the Eucalyptus Curtain as the Cardinal meet the Oregon State Beavers. And that's what we're here to discuss on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. Great to have you with us Thursday, October 6th, 2022. So glad that you have decided to spend part of your day here with us and looking forward to breaking down Stanford's upcoming game against the Beavers with help from an expert. Our special guest for this week will be Stanford offensive line coach Terry Heffernan. Boy, he's had a lot on his plate so far this season. Already five different offensive tackles have played for the Cardinal. And Stanford has unveiled a new RPO scheme, at least the first time it's had a chance to use it this season. That certainly has a bit of a learning curve for the offensive linemen involved. We'll talk about those things with Coach Heffernan, plus get his thoughts on just what the mood's been like after the results of the past few weeks for the Cardinal and where things stand for Stanford in the standings and what they need to do to get back in the win column as quickly as possible, hopefully as early as this Saturday. So Terry Heffernan is our special guest for this episode of the TreeCast. I'm Troy Clarity. Follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity, last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, year number 30 of following Stanford football, year number nine of Pac-12 Network play-by-play, year number one of play-by-play on the national radio side for football with the Compass Media Networks, both for college and the NFL. Looking forward to diving into that in a couple of weeks or so. That should be a lot of fun. Subscribe to the show. Rate the show and review the show and enjoy the show. Yeah, we're supposed to have fun with this, right? I mean, even though Stanford's one and three in some parts of the season have not been a lot of fun, it's football. It's sports. We're supposed to have fun here a little bit, and we will still find ways to do that, no matter which course the rest of the season takes. So certainly appreciate you uh, subscribing to the show, rating and reviewing the show via your favorite listening app. Well, Stanford did spend this week back at the lab trying to figure out ways to get into the win column. David Shaw, during his weekly press conference on Tuesday on how this week has been. Usually four games in, you pretty much have a good idea of what you're good at and what you're not good at. Um, so gathering all those things, um, leaning on our strengths, um, trying to shore up our deficiencies. I and mean, every team has deficiencies. Um but knowing that there's things that we can adjust, um, there's also things that we can take out um, as coaches, um, some things that our guys can get better at, some things that we just say, hey, you know what, you know, we've spent some time doing this. We're not doing it well. Let's emphasize what we're doing well. So that's kind of where we are. That's the view from the coach's office. How about the players, the student athletes? Here's linebacker Ricky Miezon with his assessment of the week. You know, a lot of things you do are defined by how you respond to adversity um, and Right now we're in that moment, like we're in a very, you know, this is a, you know, high stress situation. And at the end of the day, like you have to respond to that. Like that's, that's how you're going to be defined. Like, and we're in an industry of results. So we have to start getting results. Yep. And no better time to start getting results than this week against the Beavers. We'll give you three things you need to know about Stanford versus Oregon State in just a moment. But first, this reminder that football is back 
and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Three things you need to know Stanford versus Oregon State. Let's fire it up with number one. <laughs> And you might remember in the uh, last episode of the TreeCast, as we uh, broke down the Oregon game, I said, you know, I didn't expect for Stanford to be in this position. I didn't expect to be saying this, but but I think that Casey Philkins is Stanford's best player right now. If I had to keep going down that list, my number two best player for Stanford this year so far would be cornerback Caillou Blue Kelly. We will not see KBK this week against Oregon State. He is out with an injury. Caillou did not play much of the game last week um, against Oregon. So with Caillou Blue Kelly out, we know that. I asked David Shaw on how long Caillou might be on the shelf. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he'll be back next week. Um, but we'll see. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, like all injuries, we'll, we'll take it slow and do what's best um, for our student athlete. I... I hope I'm interpreting this the wrong way, but that wasn't exactly the most encouraging tone of voice from David Shaw on that one, but we'll see. In the meantime, that means Salim Turner-Muhammad and or Nicholas Toomer will see time opposite uh, Ethan Bonner, who was quite busy against Oregon, uh, won some battles, lost some others the last couple of weeks overall, while other teams avoided Caillou Blue Kelly. Elsewhere on the injury front, uh, left tackle, my, or right, check that right tackle, Miles Hinton, and offensive tackle Barrett Miller are also still questionable uh, for the game against Oregon State. Uh, Hinton has not played the last couple of weeks. We have not seen him since the USC game, and Barrett Miller uh, went down with injury on the third play of the game last week against Oregon. Let's move on to number two. And Stanford had an award-winning performance from the Oregon game as kicker Joshua Cardi won Pac-12 Special Teams Player of the Week honors. Joshua booted a 53-yard field goal, went two for two overall in that department against the Ducks. David Shaw very pleased to see Joshua win that hardware. Uh, he's been an outstanding um, kickoff specialist, puts the ball exactly where he wants to, you know, 95% of the time. Um, a lot of touchbacks, great hang time, and um, we know now he's got great mechanics and he's very confident, the players are confident in him. And we know if we get close, um, we, he can put it through. And those 53 probably would have been good from 60. Um, and, and I've seen him kick 65 yarders. So this this young man's got a got a talent, got an ability. So we know, you know, we get across the 50, um, we got a good chance of getting points. So that was an opportunity to put him out there and uh, let him go get him. That's David Shaw. And I spent part of my Sunday afternoons uh, voting on Pac-12 Football Player of the Week awards. It's my second year of doing so, and it's an honor uh, to be asked uh, to vote on those awards every single week. And I'm not going to lie. I was actually surprised to see Joshua Cardi nominated uh, for Special Teams Player of the Week. It's really not that common for teams coming off of losing performances to submit nominees. But there, there was Joshua, and Cardi won it. Congrats to him. 
Let's wrap up three things with number three. And here come the Beavers. They are tough, they are physical, and there is no better example of that than when they roll out their hammer package with quarterback slash fullback slash linebacker Jack Coletto. Yes, he actually plays all those three positions. Jack Coletto takes the snap and usually bowls over people and gets first downs. It's lethal, and it's actually kind of awesome to watch, unless it's against your team. I asked David Shaw for his thoughts on the hammer package and the dangers that Jack Coletto presents. This isn't like just um, trying to elevate your opponent and gas your opponent up. I mean, Jack's the best in the country. Um, proving it year after year. Um, short yardage situations. Uh, the, the package is great, but um, it's it's all about the runner. He's got great instincts. He's got great feel. He's hard to bring down. He runs hard. He runs physical. Um, you can stop him at the line, but he's going to fall forward for two more. If you get him going, that four yards is going to become nine yards. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's got a special talent. And um, as we found over the years, um, there's a feel. There's a technique. Um, Ramon Wright. Just had a great feel for short yardage goal line periods, uh, goal line uh, uh, possessions. Um, Jeremy Stewart, Patch, I mean, just a great feel for those things. Stefan Taylor, um, we've had so many guys, so I recognize that um, in, in him as well. Just, you know, the hole is there, but then to be able to slither through that hole and to make the second level guy miss and having, having that feel. So uh, we've watched this over the years, over and over again. And, um, you know, I don't remember a time where the, where the young man's been stopped. So we'll give him his respect. We're going to do our best to try to contain him and corral him. And you know, we won't be surprised when it's a, especially a short yardage uh, possession where he goes in there. And uh, we got to be able to, to, to find a way to get him down. Yeah, how Stanford handles the hammer package will be a big key to this game for several different reasons. More on that later. Those are three things. We'll catch up with uh, Stanford offensive line coach Terry Heffernan in a couple of minutes. Uh, more on Oregon State uh, for just a brief uh, moment or so. They're coming off. Uh, had a good start, but they've dropped back-to-back games against ranked teams in Pac-12 play. Stanford, of course, certainly knows that story. Uh, tough, tough loss uh, to USC. They had had the Trojans right where they wanted them but could not close out USC when it mattered the most. And they were just overwhelmed in the second half. Uh, They've thrown four interceptions in back-to-back weeks. That certainly hasn't helped. And quarterback is a question mark for Oregon State again this week. Chance Nolan, the QB1 for the Beavers, dealing with a neck strain. He was knocked out of that Utah game with that injury. And he's questionable, as I say this on uh, Thursday morning. Ben Golbrinson has been taking snaps for the Beavers since then. Oregon State has not won at Stanford since 2006. And the Beavers' win over Stanford last year stopped a long losing streak uh, that the Beavers had against uh, the Cardinal. Uh, But uh, Oregon State has not won at Stanford on the farm since 2006. Hopefully that trend continues. Headed down to Stanford practice on Wednesday and Stanford practices are closed to the media. Uh, I, I wish that wasn't the case. I'd love to be invited to, to, to check out some things and see the actual competitive portions um, of practice, but it is what it is. Uh, but headed down there on Wednesday uh, to chat with our special guest, whom we'll catch up with here starting in a couple of minutes or so. But, but I, I, I found it 
intriguing that, you know, look, I, I don't need to tell you this. There's there's certainly a lot of gloom and doom um, surrounding Stanford football fans, it seems anyway. Uh, you check out the message boards, you check out Twitter and social media. And look, part of it's my, a lot of it's my fault for, for doing that where, you know, all the critics are, are howling and all those sorts of things. You know, look, again, it is what it is. I get it. But it was intriguing to me to note the vibe on Wednesday's practice as guys were, were coming off the field. And, and you, you can still, look, again, I, I'm not allowed to observe practice itself, but you can still tell. You can still tell the moods that guys are in. And the mood around the team seemed to actually be, be pretty high, seemed to be in a good mood amongst most of the guys. Some smiles, some laughs, you know, guys joking around with each other, you know, guys who look like they actually enjoy uh, playing with each other as a team and playing together as a team, despite the win-loss record, despite how, you know, those, those three losses, especially the last two in particular, uh, have gone. You know, some programs would be in – just, you know, oh my God, panic mode. But as we know, this is that's not exactly how this, this program works. Guys were feeling good, it seemed, overall. I mean, I'm sure they're all still focused on the task at hand and all those sorts of things. And and look, this 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 squad's also pretty hungry too in in in, in talking to the guys who were made available to us. And you know, I, I you know, Lavani Damuni had some had some things to say after the game. Um, uh, late late Saturday night against uh, the Oregon Ducks, but you know overall, still things seem to be be pretty light. I think these guys know that there is a lot of football ahead and a lot of things that they can take from game to game that can help them build for as the stretch run continues. And one of those things, potentially, even though you generally don't like to see it, but when you looked after the third play of the game and saw Barrett Miller, who was starting at right tackle in place of Miles Hinton, whom we haven't seen in a couple of weeks, and you saw Miller being helped off the field, and you went, oh, no, Stanford's running out of tackles again for the second straight week. And here comes Jack Lehrer. Lehrer played on field goal teams a couple of games earlier this season, but this was his collegiate debut on the offensive line. Eh, okay, cool. How you know? <laughs> it's only against a ranked Oregon Ducks team on the road at Autzen Stadium. How's that for getting shoved into the pool? Larry did pretty well by most accounts, it seemed, including David Shaw's. Yeah, I'm proud of Jack. I thought he played well. He fought hard, um, knew what to do, um, tried to protect him as best we can. Um, first real live game action uh, for him in his college career. Um, on the road in a loud environment against a good football team. Um, we tried not to put too much pressure on him. Um, but what we what we asked him to do, I thought he did well. Um, I thought he's, I think he's only going to get better. Um, There's a really good sign. He's able to go out there and a couple times stand up one-on-one and pass protection, um, which is huge. Finished a couple runs physically, which is great. Um, you know, now we'll, we'll see where we are at right tackle. But I think we all kind of rest a little bit easier knowing that uh, I've called upon Jack to go out there and, and play uh, play well for us. That's David Shaw on Jack Lair. More on Jack with his position coach. And look, I, I, I love talking to offensive linemen, and I love talking to offensive line coaches. They're cer- certainly a different breed in a good way. And after Wednesday's practice, I caught up 
um, with Stanford's offensive line coach Terry Heffernan in his second year uh, with Stanford football. And the first thing that that I asked him about, and, and, and you go back to that, that soundbite from David Shaw that I played at the start of the show about how four games in, you kind of know what a team is good at, and you know what a team isn't good at by this point in the season. So, given that, I asked Coach Heffern and his thoughts four games in on what Stanford's good at and what needs to improve going forward. Yeah, that, that, that's a, that is a good question. Um, you know, I, I would say that We've got a really good base in our running game that we're excited about. Um, now, obviously, we've had a bunch of different guys carrying the ball. We've had a bunch of different guys blocking for those ball carriers. And uh, we've been able to kind of hone in on some schemes and some formations and some some ways of operating that, you know, have been successful and our guys, um, our guys can execute. And I think the more we delve into... Um, you know some of the, some of those schemes. I think will continue to grow at a a, a really good rate. Um, you know, I think we've seen when we give our quarterback time in the pocket, we're pretty good, right? You know, and it, that's not always easy to do. Uh, but that's our job up front as as offensive line and our running backs and a blocking group, and and so we're constantly evaluating. Hey, what's the best way to be able to keep him clean so that we can take advantage of the skill on the outside and our quarterback's arm. And of course, a lot of that, as you mentioned, a lot of different guys have been di- have been blocking, you know, for the for the backfield so far this year. And Jack Lair stepped into the mix just three plays in up at Oregon, and by all accounts, did pretty well. What did you make of his performance up in Eugene? Yeah, yeah, no. So that was. Uh, we had suffered an injury, um, kind of a delayed injury in practice uh, for Connor uh, McLaughlin, and so Jack, you know, went from the fourth tackle to the third tackle to three plays in. He's in the game and played 70 reps. So uh, he did he did a great job and really went out and competed. Had a great attitude, and he's just a tough guy. Man, he's a tough guy. His first first real college football experience. Uh, tough environment, you know, and they had athletic defensive ends, and it was going to be a challenge for, for our fourth-year starter, Walter, or Miles if he's in there, and Jack went in and played his you know, first extended time, and like you said, 70 reps. Um, so I was really, really proud of him. Was it perfect? No. No, there's a ton he can grow on, a ton he can get better on, but he wasn't. it wasn't too big for him, he wasn't scared, and he battled. You know, so really, really proud of him for that. Yeah, I mean, injuries happen in football. This is a, this is this is a rough sport. It is what it is, and you're gonna you know run the risk of losing guys throughout the course of a game or so. Yeah. But when that happens, especially as critical as the tackle position is, and as you know, as, synchroni- as synchronous as, as as the offensive line has to be at all times, what sort of in-game challenges does that pose for you when you're losing one or maybe even two guys during the course uh, of a game? Yeah, so that's a you know the the week prior in uh, Washington, kind of being able to lose a couple of different tackles. Um, it is because you've got. Generally, uh, uh, one guy might back up two spots or he might back up three spots. And so not only do you make that substitution, sometimes it's another adjustment in your lineup. And, um, yeah, it's a challenge because, uh, you know, you're at your best when guys play next to each other for a while and they can kind of feel each other's movement and understand each other's communication. And the more shuffling you have to do, the harder that becomes. But like you said, it's all a part of it. You know, it's 
it's not the first time anybody's been injured and and uh, and, and lines have had to shift. So I've been I've been pretty I've been proud of the guys who've gone in there and, and battled and um, you know gone in at maybe different spots than they trained in, in training camp at and and uh, haven't really batted an eye and went out and played hard. Overall, I think maybe one of the more intriguing things to watch about the Stanford offense so far this year has been that slow mesh, the, the old Wake Forest scheme that, that got unveiled during USC, worked quite well since then, maybe a bit more hit and miss over the last couple of weeks or so. Uh, from an offensive line standpoint, you know, what sort of different you know, maybe skill sets maybe get emphasized when you're running an offense and RPO like that? Yeah, so when we started studying it, you know, your first impulse is to try and knock it, you know, shoot, I've been coaching 20 some odd years and seen a lot of schemes and you say, hey, that's like this. No, it's not really like that. Well, it's like this. No, it's not like this. And so when I really wrapped my head around it, it was about a month into studying it and detached it from anything else because it is a truly unique scheme, especially from the blocking component. And so if you go into it saying, hey, it's just like this, but this adjustment, then you're missing the point. Um, and so uh, it's, it was really fun being able to to kind of research that and then implement it with our guys. And I think there's there's a ton of meat on the bone from that scheme left for us, and we're just going to continue to grow in that regard. So um, it's, you know, we've had some some really good plays out of it. We've had some, you know, plays that we'd love to have back, and uh, but we're still growing in that scheme, but it's, it is very unique. Um, but once you kind of learn the rules and we spent a bunch of repetitions on the guys learning the different patterns, we were able to pick up a couple things in the Oregon game from that scheme that were incredibly challenging. You know, and I was really uh, proud of the guys for being able to find find their players and get to their spots when it was an overload blitz and this guy's, you know, looping from the right. So um, it's 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 been fun to coach and the guys have responded well to it. Your second year here and your first full spring with the fellas how critical was that yeah that was that was that was great i mean my you know last year my first in person meeting was in training camp you know so it's it's hard to build bonds and and uh, build you know uh, a culture in the room and and really get to know the guys through zoom you know all, all your all your jokes end up in uh, <laughs> muted screens and uh, so it's it's just been and one of the greatest gifts of being able to coach her is, is being able to work with these young men and be able to kind of really delve into their lives and get to know who they are as people and get to know their families. And so that, that, was, that was great this spring and continuing to grow the relationships with these guys. And, um, you know, I think there, we've seen a ton of development, um, and, you know, I, which proved to be important since we're playing so many different guys now. You know, there's a whole bunch of guys that probably came in a training camp going, I'm not going to play at all this year. And, you know, Jack's out there playing 70 snaps. So, uh, yeah, that development's been really important. We'll get your thoughts on the Beavers here in a second or so. But uh, I've always been fascinated by the offensive line and just the mentality that you have to have. And you're not just one guy. You're five, and you always have to. It always seems like it carries that way off the field as well. You know, the, the just just the team, you know, concept. I think is perhaps best enmeshed within the offensive line. What kind of mentality do you have to have to play offensive line? Yeah, I think I think it starts with selflessness, and um, they're trying to add PFF, and all those guys are trying to add stats to our position now. <laughs> and I think the one part that makes O line just so phenomenal is there is no stat. 
right? Maybe consecutive starts, but that's that's it. There's no sacks to chase. There's no yards to get. And so there's really no individual, you know, um, achievement that a guy is going to focus on. So we either succeed together or we don't succeed, you know. And and so that helps to really galvanize a group together and say, look, we, we can't do this without each other. I can't do it without you blocking this combo block with me. And so, you know, let's train that way, let's live that way, and let's interact that way in the room. So you get some really, really tight bonds, you know. And the other part of the position is not only are, are you um, – you know, responsible to the people next to you, but there's a lot of other parts of the game that affect your output, you know? Hey, did the back make the right cut? Well, we might have had it blocked great, but he didn't make the right cut, that's gonna affect us. Or the receiver ran the wrong route and you give up a sack. Was that pass protection or was it the receiver, you know? And so it's really, everything we do is touched by everybody. You know, it's it's the ultimate, the ultimate team, um, the ultimate team position within the ultimate team game is the way I kind of look at it. One of the coolest things that, that I've seen and I've seen on a couple of occasions is like being in the postgame locker room and the offensive line is passing around the stat sheet and they're pointing at the rushing yards. It's like 200 plus and they're all smiling and stuff. That, that That's always that's always pretty good to watch. And I'm sure you wouldn't mind having that kind of scene late Saturday night against the Oregon State Beavers. This is a solid, solid squad on the defensive side, especially your thoughts on what the Beavers can do on that side of the ball yeah uh, no this is it's an incredibly veteran defensive unit and it's you know college football is ever changing uh, but I mean shoot they've got a seventh year safety they've got um, you know a lot I, I don't know that there's uh, younger than a fourth year player in their in their starting front so it's a bunch of guys who've been lifting a lot of weights know their scheme well been there for a while and they're tough tough as heck and they've been really really salty against the run game uh, statistically this year and and they play incredibly hard so um, they got good you know good scheme they've got good players and they play really hard and it'll be a, a significant challenge for us you know and it's uh, a challenge we're excited about but um, yeah I have a ton of respect for this this defense and in this team you know being able to watch what they do on the other side of the ball and how their own line plays together and they run the football and yeah it's uh this is a good football team we're coming up against as we wrap this up what's the move been like this week getting ready for this one it's we've had two great practices and you know you always always want to i'm just there was phenomenal disappointment coming off of the year uh, oregon game and you're always kind of wonder, well, what are they going to show up like? You know, because the players get a day off, and and what are they going to show up like? And it was, hey, we had some tough talk in the in the film session, and some brutal honesty, and and but also, you know, focused on there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good things there to believe in, and we put the pads on and hit the field, and guys have been energetic, guys have you know been locked in, focused, and and really it's been two great practices this week. You know, which is that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping for that that energy to back up the words. It's easy to give a speech, but can you show up day after day after day and execute and play with with energy and play with passion? And that's what our guys have done this far this week. Looking forward to seeing those things show up on Saturday night against the Beavers, and looking forward to seeing the Cardinal back in the win column. Coach, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. Best of luck. Best of health to you and the squad. We'll talk again soon. I appreciate you, and thanks so much for for uh, taking the time to report on us. So. All right, thanks. Our thanks again to Terry Heffernan for uh, spending some time with us after Wednesday's practice. He's, he says there's still some meat on the bone with the slow mesh in his words. Uh, you know, slow mesh is 
been hit or miss the last couple of weeks after its Boffo debut against USC. Uh, but Terry says we're not giving up on it yet. There are still some things that uh, we can do to uh, coach it up better and execute it up better um, as well. So uh, we'll see how that evolves as the season goes. Uh, high praise, of course, for Jack Lair and and and, and rightfully so. And uh, still a lot on the plate and a lot for this uh, team to accomplish against a pretty tough and uh, sticky Oregon State defense. I like how he summed those guys up. A seventh-year safety, huh? <laughs> Uh, why am I thinking of Animal House now um, all of a sudden? Uh, one note, uh, one thing I want to note, and I've, I've actually forgot to ask uh, Terry about this, and it occurred to me as I was walking away from practice and back to, back down to my car in the parking lot. I was like, oh, man, I forgot to ask him about that. Uh, Branson Bragg, as many of you know, uh, was uh, slated to be a starting offensive lineman for Stanford um, once again this year. Uh, retired a couple of weeks ago after uh, effects lingering, uh, lingering effects from a severe concussion that was uh, suffered uh, during uh, preseason drills. So, uh, Branson Bragg, part of the attrition that the Stanford offensive line has has experienced the last few weeks and throughout the season. But Branson is still around the team. Uh, he is still, you know, obviously not participating in practice, but, you know, he's wearing his number 66 jersey. He is there at practice. I'm sure he's he's helping to coach up the guys a little bit and uh, help get them prepared on a week-to-week basis. So uh, uh, really nice and really cool to see uh, Branson uh, still, still around the program and still, uh, still a part of the team. Uh, that, that's pretty cool to see. And our thanks again to, uh, uh, to Terry Heffernan for uh, joining us on the show. Uh, I want to switch it over to the other side uh, of the ball uh, because winning the line of scrimmage defensively for Stanford as we start to get into keys for the Cardinal against the Beavers this Saturday, winning the line of scrimmage for Stanford defensively is is something that, by and large, we have not seen so far this season. I asked David Shaw for his assessment of how Stanford's defense has fared at the line of scrimmage. Inconsistent. Um, We've been sporadic. We've had some great series of three and out, you know, TFL on the run game, pass deflection, you know, rush the passer, um, get an errant throw. Uh, it's been great. And, you know, there been times where we haven't, you know, we've lost, lost our eyes on man coverage. Um, we've fit the wrong gap. Um, you know, you get a, an athletic quarterback that you want to keep contained and he had, you know, a long touchdown run and another two explosive runs. Um, we had, uh, gave up two other explosive runs where we had the runner hemmed in. And, uh, you know, didn't make the play. So um, it's really about consistency. It's about being where you're supposed to be with your eyes where they're supposed to be. Um, It's about us, you know, making sure that we're putting them in a great position uh, based on what we emphasize and what we call. Um, And then whatever is called, we got to go out there and execute. And uh, I've got a chance to make a tackle. You know, we got to make a tackle. We got to play with the proper leverage, know where your help is. Um, Playing against, you know, that, that, that back is dynamic. It's a very underrated running back. Um, he's got speed and explosion. He can change direction in a heartbeat. You have to know where your help is. You have to try to um, make the tackle, but also force him in the direction where your help is. Um, those are things that we can do better. Yeah, sporadic. I, I think that's largely fair. I mean, we have seen it at times, unfortunately, mostly in the second halves of games when games haven't been in their competitive phases. But when it comes down to it and during the game's 
during the times when games are on the line and when it's competitive and when the outcome is, hasn't been decided, Stanford has not been active at the line of scrimmage. They have not won the line of scrimmage. They haven't gotten any real push. And they generally, for the most part, haven't really committed guys from the secondary, haven't necessarily committed safeties to help out at the line of scrimmage. Haven't seen too much of that throughout the course of the season. And when we have, it's been sporadic. So that's certainly something that and I think we mentioned, talked about this last week, certainly something I would like to see uh, turned around in a big way, especially this week. And we bring it back to one of the three things that we discussed earlier in the show about Jack Coletto and how much respect and admiration, really, it seems, David Shaw has for him and his short yardage running capabilities. You don't win short yardage if you don't win at the line of scrimmage. That is something that Stanford must find ways to turn around, whether it's, it's with the front six, whether it's with the front six plus, you know, a, a, cup, a, a safety or two, whether it's with the regular front seven with the three linebackers in instead of the two linebackers and when they go nickel, you know, it, it's going to take a true, and I hope it takes a true team effort for Stanford at the line of scrimmage to win and secure that part of the field that, by and large, it is not secured at any point so far this year. Sealing the edge might be a bit of a help, too. And we saw that, again, sporadically, at times against Oregon, and again in the second half, with David Bailey helping to lead the way. The freshman who's been learning, it seems, week by week, and made a bit of a splash play late in the game against Oregon, in which he pressured Oregon's backup quarterback into throwing an interception to Tristan Sinclair, only Stanford's second turnover gained so far this year. But more and more, it seems like David Bailey is putting more on tape from week to week. David Shaw's noticed this. With every rep, he's one rep better. Um, you know, he's only played a few college football games, and he's gotten better each time. Um, you know, gosh, one more time. I mean, so close, you know, this guy's so close to having a multi-sack game. Um, you know, late in the game, uh, he got a great pass rush and uh, hit the quarterback's arm and forced forced the interception that we did get. Um, so I mean, that's what a guy like him is going to be able to do, um, pressure the quarterback and either get the sack or create a turnover by forcing an errant throw, um, hurrying the quarterback. So um, he's going to continue to progress. He is determined um, to get there. He's determined to be great. He puts the work in, and um, you know it's going to pay off. That's David Shaw on David Bailey. And look, securing the edge has been a big, big issue for Stanford. Washington in particular uh, exploited it time and time again. They just had it whenever they wanted it. And winning the edge is going to be critical. And the linebackers looked at times throughout much of that first half looked totally undisciplined in their pursuit to the ball against Oregon you know, dudes running into each other it seemed and 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 just just completely uncoordinated in pursuing the ball and getting to the ball carrier overall Stanford defensively must have a more coordinated effort in all phases and in all areas of the field 
particularly up front, and especially on the edge. It's going to be critical. Flip it over to the offense once again. And red zone has been an interesting area of the field to watch for, for Stanford on the offensive side. And Stanford has scored on 79% of its trips in the, into the red zone so far this year. It's not that great. That, that's 10th in the Pac-12. 79%. However, Stanford's red zone touchdown percentage, which I think is more important than overall red zone percentage, because, hey, if you're inside the 20, you need to be getting six, right? Stanford's red zone touchdown percentage is actually 71%. That's tied for third best in the Pac-12, amazingly enough. And it's actually, that 71% is, is actually higher than I thought initially before I looked at the numbers. So the touchdown percentage is okay, all right, that's fine. But when Stanford hasn't cashed in in the red zone, man, they've been killers and they've come at crucial times. Last week against Oregon, settling for three instead of getting six in a 10-0 game at that point. E.J. Smith fumbling at the two-yard line against USC. Tanner McKee throwing a pick in the end zone on fourth and goal against USC. Casey Filkins bobbling one that gets scooped up for an interception for Washington in the red zone a couple weeks ago. Those were all the times that Stanford did not cash in in the red zone. Cardinal must clean it up there. Must clean it up in, in, in that respect and get sixes instead of threes or nothing at all. But speaking of the red zone, boy, it's going to be good to have students back on campus for a game. I, you know, being back on campus myself on Wednesday for a little bit, it was, it was noticeable how much more activity and how much more life there was uh, on campus, um, a little more difficult to drive around too, but you know that's okay. But uh, good to have students back on campus uh, for a game, and uh, hope they bring their full-throated support on Saturday night. Um, also, overall, playing sixty minutes instead of just thirty, and taking advantage of a suddenly turnover-prone Beaver squad, those things might help out a lot too. So here it is, and. Stanford back at it, and look, I've, I've, I've seen all the statistics on Stanford's current losing streak against FBS competition, and you have too. No one wants to put an end to all of that more than the folks who are actually inside the program, right? Their names are on this. Left tackle Walter Rouse, one of those guys, he sums up where it all stands right now for the car. We are one in three, you know, can't deny that. Um, you know, we own that um, and, you know, we're taking accountability for it. Uh, but, you know, within the Stanford program, we know, like I said before, that we are so much better than this um, and that the one in three um, is not going to define us. Um, you know, it's the first, uh, it's only one third of the season has been done. Um, we still have probably eight more games, eight plus more games to go. Um, and we know that. Um, we still have a lot to, we still, we, we know we can turn this around um, when we have time to do so. Um, and not, we're not letting that one and three record stay in our minds and saying, oh, one and three, let's just try and go win a game. No, we're going out to a game. We're going to win. We're going to put 100% every single time. You know, we're going to play till the, the clock hits zero. Um, we're not going to let anything stop us. It's Walter Rouse and yeah, in, in some ways, this team is better than one and three in some ways, but 
unfortunately, most of those ways are on paper and mostly on the offensive side of the ball. On the actual football field and in actual real-life competition, Stanford's one and three. And in order for the card to turn that into two and three, man, they got to level up all phases, offense, defense, special teams, execution, coaching, play calling, all of that must level up against the Oregon State Beavers, a team that, that has its own struggles right now. <laughs> if, again, they've thrown, they've thrown four interceptions in back-to-back weeks. That's incredible. But Stanford must improve in every single phase when it matters most. Hey, practice was, was all smiles on Wednesday. Everything could be looking great, but you know, as Ricky Miazon told us earlier in the show, you know, what's it going to be like when, when adversity actual hit, actually hits? What's it going to look like when, when the competition is real? Let's see. 8 p.m. Saturday. On the farm. Be there, will you? You know, it just occurred to me, October 6th today, when, when the show is posting anyway, October 6th, 2022, where were you 15 years ago today? Huh? 15 years, October 6th, 2007. That, that, that day sound familiar? Think back to, to a day in which Stanford was a 41-point underdog, heading to the L.A. Coliseum with a backup quarterback. No reason at all to think Stanford would win that day. The next thing you knew, Mark Bradford was skying high and making the grab in the back left corner of the end zone to put Stanford, to give Stanford a tie anyway. The extra point gave the Cardinal the lead. And then the last interception. And the next thing you know, Stanford had pulled off the greatest upset ever. That was 15 years ago. Wow. Lots happened since then. A lot of it good. The overwhelming majority of it, good. Three Rose Bowls in that span? Are you kidding me? Fiesta Bowl and a and a and a, and an Orange Bowl as well. Heisman Trophy runners up. A couple of them maybe should have won the whole thing. It's been fun overall. It's been fun overall. It just that just occurred to me, right? Just while just while talking right now. <laughs> For more of this stream of consciousness, which generally comes your way twice a week (laughs) during the football season, be sure to subscribe to this show uh, via your favorite listening app, uh, wherever you get the good podcast from the TreeCast is there. Rate and review the show. We always appreciate that. Tell uh, tell folks about the show, about the program. Uh, The TreeCast certainly is very, very proud to own coverage of Stanford Athletics in the podcast space, and uh, we are certainly very, very proud of that. You've got thoughts on the show. I always welcome them. Hashtag TreeCast via Twitter. Hashtag TreeCast is uh, the best way to ensure that I see what you have on your mind. We will talk to you on Sunday and break down all the things that we see between Stanford and Oregon State. Our thanks again to our special guest for this week's show. Just one, but I thought it was a quality guest, Terry Heffernan, Stanford offensive line coach. Always appreciate his perspective and I always enjoy going inside the trenches. That's always fun. Terry Heffernan, our special guest on this week's show. Of course, the most uh, special thanks goes to you for being a part of the program, for listening, for reacting to the program 
and uh, just just supporting the show. Always appreciate you. Whether we agree or disagree on things, that's cool. As long as you're listening, and as long as uh, as long as you're there, I'll be here. We'll talk to you next time. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay sane. Thanks for being with us on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online.